Hi, and welcome to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. Every week we watch a movie and sit down here to talk about it. I'm Mel. I'm Katie. And we're your hosts. This week we watched Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, directed by Bob Persichetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman, and released in 2018. The plot of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse goes something like this. When Wilson Fisk's attempts at interdimensional meddling go horribly wrong, Spider-Man Miles Morales must team up with Spider-People from other dimensions to save reality. And as we usually do, we will do a bit of a spoiler-free section to tell you whether you should see this movie. Um, Yeah, so I think you should see this movie. I, I would give a little warning because um, most people are not having this problem, but I have seen a few other people on the internet reminding me that I'm not alone. This movie's visual style really gave me a headache. It's like the frame rate is really fast. There's some blurriness around the edges and the frame is very busy. So like... For me, it was too much visually, and I had a headache in about half an hour, which kind of affected my viewing pleasure of it. So if you're affected by those sorts of things, it's maybe not the best. Definitely, if you have epilepsy or any kind of seizures, avoid this, because it is so, so bad for epileptic. Like, it's my first note, just from the opening logos, because it's very much flashes and in your face like that. I didn't have any problems with it, but it was one of the first things my husband said to me when we got out of the screening, was Mm. this is bad for epileptics. Mm. There's some scenes that are just not good, but I... I love this movie. I actually watched it without thinking we were going to review it because mm. we sort of didn't know if we'd get to it. But then I saw it in a preview screening and then it suddenly got legs. Um, now everyone's seeing it and um, has really loved it. I really loved it with that caveat, of course. I just thought it was so different. Like it mm. really pushed the boat out on animation. It was almost as if like because Miles is considered sort of second string by Sony, they were just given all this freedom to do whatever they want and in terms of um, visuals and animation, it just was absolutely astounding. I love the way they brought in the comic book aspects of the storytelling. And I really, really liked how they were very clever with all the interdimensional spider people in terms of like uh, like the way they mix all these different styles of animation in there. Like there's some old-fashioned 2D and there's some anime-style animation and some, some bits in black and white. It's just amazing and astounding the work that they did with this film plus the story which is pretty simple is incredibly engaging and miles is a great character and i'm so excited we finally get a miles movie yeah i don't know the comics very well obviously because i don't tend to read comics um i sort of have heard of everyone in it um Hmm. like all of the different spider people and like or at least seen art of it or whatever so i had kind of an idea but i'm not um super up to date with it and it kind of expects that you know a certain amount i think but it's still a fun movie even if you don't know it yeah um, I, I thought it was like, like there were things i didn't know there's certain cameos that we'll talk about later on that i didn't know about until like a week later when you had told me about it mm. and i looked it up but I, and i actually felt as a person who's not a big like really i'm not very deep into comics lore either i found it was fine and it i could understand everything and mm. but there were i assume and you can tell easter eggs for people who were really into it mm. Yeah, um, but I think it does uh, assume a certain knowledge of Spider-Man and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, a little bit of that, yeah. Yeah, which is fine. I don't think you like every mm. movie needs to, you know, re-establish all of that stuff for everybody. It's just pointing it out. Yes, no, that is, um, that is accurate, yes. That it may be a bit confusing if you don't already know the Spider-Man. I, yeah, I forget. <laughs> I keep making a joke about this whenever I have to review it, you know, succinctly for anyone. There's eight Spider-Man movies have come out in my adult life, yeah. um, and this, this is the eighth. And this is probably one of my favourite. And I, I think just because there's so many, it's, it's so well known in the culture. I didn't even think of that, but yes, we are steeped in Spider-Man more. 
Yeah. So we can probably get into the spoilers now. Let's do that. Um, so yeah, the, the, um, as you were talking about before, the animation style for like all the, the, the different spider people who show up is quite different. Mm. Um, although it is interesting to me that both Gwen and Peter are in the same style as mm-hmm. Miles. Like yeah. they're not special enough to get different styles, mm. I guess. But, um, I mean, they do have their own color schemes going on. Mm. Gwen has this very kind of neon, like almost a pastel neon. I don't know. Like, like you know, they're very um, specific colors, like teal yeah, and a yeah. very specific type of pink and all that sort of stuff that go with her aesthetic um, that's very nice. Peter less so, I think, probably because he's from our Earth. Mm. And so they're like, oh, it's just the same. But I would like to see a bit more differentiation yeah. personally, which is silly, but. It's just like it. It seems strange to me that everybody else is so stylized, but those are all the same. Mm. And they're the ones people will know best as well. So they, yeah, I suspect they probably did the least fiddling on those ones. But it's this kind of idea that they're normal and everybody else is weird that I think annoys me. Yeah, I can see that. (laughs) But um, but the the style on the other ones was cute for some reason. Like this is a weird thing, but for some reason Penny just didn't like the the future Spider Girl just didn't stick with me as like a character whenever she was on screen it seemed like she was in a different movie or something I kept it was very strange I, I keep forgetting about her actually when I talk about the movie yeah she didn't feel like she was part of this movie almost yeah I kind of liked her because I mean a bit like Miles she was sort of technically minded and all that sort of thing and she does fix the uh the plot point I just keep forgetting her. I guess I'm less fam- familiar with her than I am with all the others. But even I think also like, they didn't give her as much to do. Like mm. Spider Noir and Spider Ham are so um, with out there. The Nicolas Cage and John Mulaney voices are so entertaining, mm. and they have so much, a lot less screen time, but they really grab your attention. Whereas she's just like a regular person, but her thing is that she's you've got this robot. Yeah, and I think a lot of it. I think of a lot of her stuff is in the visuals. Like it's all that kind of anime visuals, which is not my favorite already but it's all mm. like a lot of her characterization is just in like big eyes and emojis and all this sort of stuff and yeah. I'm like oh, that's annoying to me yeah yeah <laughs> i'd rather have like lines that entertain me that made me interested in who she is as a person and and yeah and spo- especially the robot like when the robot spoilers when the robot was dying we're in spoilers it's okay yeah but when the robot was dying i was just like oh this robot has its own personality and character that seems to be separate from hers that I had no idea of earlier before that. Like, how am I supposed to have any emotions for a robot dying that I didn't even know was like sentient before that? Mm. Well, I mean, very strange. Typical sort of Lord and Miller who are not the directors on this, but one of them wrote it and the other one was involved in that they've gone for the laughs over the characterization and the laughs are in Spider-Noir, Nicolas Cage and I don't even know if that's his name. Spider Noir and, and Spider Ham. Yeah. They were great. Oh, yeah. They were Spider amazing. Noir, Spider Noir is not even just laughs. He's like, he is great. He is so interesting and eye catching, but he's not just funny. Like, he has this line before he goes off into the void where he's like, I love you all. And you're just like, oh. Yeah. He's kind of like the group dad. Yeah. Like, as well as being funny and as well as being mm. like, he's kind of like a funny twist on that. Um, What is it? The Watchmen. Yeah, yeah. Um, Rorschach yes. from Watchmen. Yes. Like he's, it's really cool. I just, his character was so great and Nicolas Cage was clearly having so much fun. Yeah. Like it's almost like you can feel his charisma mm. in spite of the fact that he's a cartoon. Oh yeah, you can. It was crazy. Like just how kind of, once those two popped up, 
that was when I really got into the movie. I, yeah. Before that, I was kind of like enjoying it, but also analyzing it a lot. And then once yeah. they popped up, I was like, oh, it's fun now. Yeah. And there was um, there was an extended sequence of this film played after Venom. So the sequence of Peter B. Parker coming in mm. was kind of, I knew what was coming with that. So I, was, I sort of expected. And then there's also all that setting up miles at school and all that other stuff we've got beforehand. So yeah, it, it does definitely take off once they all get together. The mm. team, The team comes in. I did love the voice cast in this, though. It was so good. Um, I loved some of them. I think some of them were cast because they're big-name actors rather than because they're good voice actors. Mm. And I'm calling out one of my favourite actors for that, which is Chris Pine. Ah. Um, He's too mumbly. He doesn't Mm. enunciate well enough to be, like... And he's... Honestly, the part is so small, it's barely... I didn't notice it was Chris Pine until afterwards. Mm. Um, I actually noticed... I mean, I knew that he was in it, so I figured out who he was. But when he was singing at the end and you were like, oh, no, that wasn't him singing, I was like, I'm sure that was him singing because I knew once he started singing that Mm. that was him because I heard, like, I've heard, you know, agony and stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, that's definitely Chris Pine singing. But when he was talking, I was just like, they could have gotten somebody else who can who's better at doing voice acting mm. or giving him some voice acting lessons so that he's got that enunciation and that clarity. Mm. Because when he's on screen, you can see him talking and it's not as big an issue. Mm. But doubled up the fact that he's doing voiceover and he's doing voiceover for a character that has their mouth covered all the time yeah. means that it's very hard to understand sometimes when he's mumbling his lines. Yeah. So I thought Shmik Moore as Miles was really good. Um, and obviously they cast him perfectly. He's actually half African-American, half Puerto Rican because oh. he has to slip into Spanish at times, mm. um, which Miles does because that's, you know, he's a bicultural kid. I thought Jake Johnson was like mm. perfect as old Peter. Yeah. And he was, he did a great job with the voiceover mm. stuff. Like he sounded really clear and a lot of character in his mm. voice and stuff. He did a yeah. really good job. And, and Hayley Steinfeld as Gwen Stacy was, was also pretty good. Again, I think she was fine, but like, she didn't. Uh, she's also someone who didn't have voice did, actor yeah. training, and I, I think it was she was a little better than Chris Pine because she wasn't mumbling. Mm-hmm. But sometimes a lot, some of that kind of emphasis and inflection and stuff wasn't there with her. Yeah, yeah. So she seemed like a more subdued character than I think she really is. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was utterly delighted when Lily Tomlin turned up. Mm. That was very exciting to me as Aunt May. Yeah, she was good, and um, Catherine Hahn yes, was amazing as, Liv. as like Liv Lady Doc Ock. <laughs> Lady Doc Ock was one of my favorite parts. Every time she showed up, I was like, "Ooh, yeah, yeah!" <laughs> and she did her voice acting was great. Yes, very fun, so good. Um, um, she would be. She's one of the highlights for me, along with Nicolas Cage and John Mulaney. Mm, yeah, the I found the stylization of Fisk in this really weird. I was a bit. I found it. It was a bit much. Like he's. They make him look like he's 11 feet wide and 20 feet tall. Mm. And I get that they're trying to do the whole kingpin, he's bigger than everyone, he looms over everyone. It always sort of bothered me a bit. There was some, I don't know, something a little bit fat shamey about it, if that. I don't, I'm not, I can't quite work it out. But he's just, everyone else sort of has a vaguely realistic look and he doesn't and he's completely stylized in a different way. Well, not everybody else. I mean, there's some characters that are very heavily stylized, but they seem to be like, mixed with non-human or like a pig or, in, or, yeah, or internally consistent with their character though yeah whereas he just and he I, is human but he's styled like he's for another species yeah and we're so used to like daredevil fisk like mm. vincent d'onofrio tv yeah. fisk and so seeing this guy like it didn't even click for me that he was fisk even after i heard 
live at the beginning she said fisk and i was like oh it must be unrelated to this because it just didn't yeah like it wasn't until he started talking about vanessa and that i was like oh it's oh it's fit like wilson fisk like that's who that is you know i yeah i knew because i read a bit of a cast list beforehand Mm. and then i stopped when i realized i might be spoiling myself by doing it Uh, so i knew who it was meant to be but it was it was very weird and i guess they were trying to be different from daredevil but it was a bit strange definitely yeah that wasn't my favorite but i mean that's no. it's in the style of the movie and that's fine yeah yeah i just was like oh wow mm. especially when he comes up against like miles looks teeny tiny next to him yep um but also in that final fight you're like well what is fisk holding on to like these guys have spider mm. powers and can hold on like can stand on things that are all you know at angles and stuff what is fisk doing oh <laughs> there's no way that he can fight in this battle that's crazy the survival odds stuff Mm. like that first train sequence with when uh, peter b parker comes in yeah where they get dragged along behind a a train and bang into everything and they just no yeah i got a bit frustrated like i i said this in um, a live action movie recently as well when we saw mortal engines Mm. but you're like if they can survive this insane thing that nobody can survive what are the stakes yeah and at the end when they're in the particle accelerator like it explodes and everyone just walks out. Mm, everyone. Including Fisk. Including Fisk and Miles is definitely not a superhero dad. Oh, his dad, yeah, sorry, Jefferson, yeah. Like, it's just, just – There's no way. No, exactly. That was ridiculous to me. So, yeah, the, the, it really lowers the stakes. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, it really lowers the stakes if people can't be hurt or die yeah. from things that definitely kill people. Mm-hmm. Um, especially since Miles had no training before that and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, and he'd only, he's only just figured out how to use his powers. Um, yeah, there were a few things that were very convenient when yeah, he first gets his powers mm. and then he goes into his house and then he finds a comic that's exactly the same as what he just mm. said. And I was like, oh, my God. Mm. Like, that was painful to me. Oh, I, Genuinely painful. I just thought, I thought that was kind of fun. But it just it's too much coincidence. Like, it's, it's too much coincidence for me. Like, if he'd gone and bought the comic, mm. I would be like, oh, that's cute and clever. Like that he had the same thing, but he just fell into, he happened to fall into his room and then happened to fall onto a comic that had exactly what just happened to him. I kind of like that because it is very comic booky. <laughs> um, mm. And then I was sort of into the world at that point. I don't know. Yeah. That, that sort of thing just tends to. Yeah. But the, the whole like nobody can die except Peter Parker apparently. Mm. Just, yeah, threw things off. That was another one who was really stylized. The Green Goblin when Peter mm. Parker's fighting him is like a big non-human thing uh, uh, yeah we were like wait what is that and then jelly leaned over to me and went i think that's the green goblin yeah and then like he said we had it. to yeah we had to like we were just like wait what's going on here i mean that could be an alternate universe thing i suppose yeah yeah that the big green goblin is mm. different in miles's universe to ours but it was the first thing we'd see uh, sign we'd seen that there were like non-human yep. enemies in and this. also the first spider-man vil- uh maybe not the first but it was like it was the introduction of one of the Spider-Man villains, mm. and so you kind of got to let the audience know about that. Yeah, I think we saw Fisk before that. Yes, I think we did actually. I think so because he, yeah, he's doing the um, the countdown and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the, the particle accelerator. What's it? Yeah, yeah. particle. <laughs> I keep calling it the um the. No, now that's words falling out of my head. The flux capacitor. Yeah, yeah. Because I'm like you know the thingy that does the thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, no, I understand. And the oh, that was a, the weirdest thing in the movie to me was when they were um they opened up the particle 
accelerator panel yeah and a hologram popped up and it was in japanese yeah and i was like this isn't even a japanese product nobody working on it is japanese why on earth does it say particle accelerator in japanese like just to look cool yeah we're in the suburbs of new york (laughs) yes and also it doesn't it's not like it's got the japanese words for particle accelerator it says particle accelerator in kanjis and so it's like it literally says particle akuse like it it's transliterated yes yeah. i was like what what it's maybe they were like just to look we've just cool. got to look cool yeah so we're going to write it in japanese and only you know japanese speakers will notice it yes yeah it we're all like anybody who recognizes japanese or the, script, well, I or suppose, the rest but. of us it, well i think it just slipped by me yeah and i think is it cuz penny opens it as well so I think I just was like, well, it's Penny, maybe everything. Or maybe maybe the robot. No, it can't be the robot projecting it because I think it's still there when Miles and Peter are there by themselves without Penny. Yeah. I, but I, I'm not sure. It might be that her robot projects it and that's why it says that. Yeah. I, I don't know. It wasn't something that I noticed or stood out to me. Yeah. So. Um, okay. So <laughs> I want to go through like more – of the plot and stuff so yes, that we do can it. talk about this movie. I feel like we've just sort of jumped around to things that I stood out to me that are interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. But um, there are a couple of notes that I had on on the animation, like the epileptic thing, the frame rate. Then I wrote, why is it blurry? Which I noticed the most in slow scenes because there's like an effect on it. Um, and then later on I was like, "Am I spo- is this supposed to be a 3D screening? Because oh. there's an effect on it that's like it's slightly offset. And it's it blurs around the the especially the um background or foreground and stuff. So I think that is. Um, I was reading an interview with the uh, animators yesterday, and they were in early versions because the animation is all done on computers. Everything is like three. Everything is very clear, and there's no sort of focus mm. in the shot. And they had to like build in a fake focus. Mm. There's no lens blur when you're not you don't using a, comp- a camera to make you know, to film the thing. And so they've actually built it into the animation. I suspect that's what you were seeing is they're trying to, they have, because it was too hard to watch, they had to artificially sort it out so that it could focus people's eyes on what they were supposed to be looking at. Maybe that's why it looked wrong to me. Yeah. I suspect Um, that might be it. And like, I don't know why I noticed it more, but those things really stood out to me. Yeah. Um, Well, I think like you either are going to, think this is cool animation style or it's just going to drive you nuts i think it's cool Mm. and innovative i also think it's not for me Mm. because it really kind of it just was too headache inducing for me like i was constantly looking at all these things that were just like it's kind of like watching that uncanny valley thing Mm. with um 3d animated movies where people's eyes don't focus on the right things and stuff like that where i was just like this seems it's all kind of off and it made me feel like uh, trying to focus on what I was supposed to be focusing on mate, gave me a headache. There's so much going on too. Yeah. And on in every single frame. That's why things like the Japanese writing would have passed me by. Yeah. There's just like you really had to focus on, on things to know what was going on. I think also part of the problem that I had is the problem that I have with reading comics is that mm. whenever there's text, I will read that first. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I noticed my favorite joke in the movie, which is like Peter throws a bagel at a guy to like when they're running away from the um, yeah, yeah. science lab and the little like sound effect bubble that pops up says bagel as he gets knocked out, like thwack or something. I and it just says those. bagel. Um, um, so my favorite jokes were written as well. Um, whenever a Peter or a, sorry, a spider person pulls up their phone, there's always a, a famous Spider-Man writer on there. Like there's 
BM Bendis on someone's okay. phone in the contacts. And then there's S Ditko later on. And I, I think I did notice the Ditko one. Yeah. I thought they were cute as well. Yeah. But th- and that, I, yes, I definitely am a reader before I'm a um, watcher of visuals. Right. So then when I try to refocus on the very fast action, I don't know what's happening. Mm. <laughs> so like, I do, th- I mean, I really see that it's really innovative and interesting. Mm. Like the way they de- designed the characters and stuff is really interesting. Yeah. But just because of like, and I have trouble with a lot of types of animation, so it's not like I'm picking mm. on this one. I really have trouble watching anime movies and a lot of other kind. Like, if it's not really, really crisp, clear, like Pixar-esque. Pixar, Disney type stuff, then I always have, I, I often have trouble with it. It doesn't always give me headaches mm. trying to focus on what I'm supposed to focus on, but I do genuinely struggle more with animation. So um, I think a lot mm. of people are not going to notice these things. No. But I, I, a lot of my notes are like, but, I don't understand what I'm like, why this is wrong. Yeah. But it does make sense that that's why Pixar does things the way they do things. Every bit of this film to me, screamed of like we don't like we can do whatever we want we're just going to mm. push the boat out on this um we're going to take every risk we can take with this movie mm. and like the glitching and stuff as well because mm. when they glitch and then come back i'd have to try and refocus on where they were oh so that bothered me too um, yeah yeah but yeah there's um there's some i i like the stylization like miles's art and how his art kind of works with his world mm. like the world that we're in is slightly different and you can see it with all these different aesthetic choices yeah yeah his art is really cool it is um, yeah but also like the art looks like the spider that comes down and bites the show off mm-hmm. spider <laughs> that yep. comes down and bites him in a very weirdly convenient way i don't know where that spider came from like yeah. it's in, it's implied that it's from like the Fisk people, right? Yes, and that they were right. they were doing experiments. Experiments, but um, that didn't factor into this plot at all. Like the experiments on the spiders didn't have anything to do with the yeah. particle accelerator plot. So it just seems it's, this is a Fisk facility where they were doing some kind of experiment, and a spider wandered in or something. Yeah, it, it's not particularly clear. Although it is implied that um, Liv Octavius is doing those kind of experiments but yeah yeah it, but it's not that's like completely ancillary and an, yes uh, that word ancillary. ancillary to the plot whereas uh, and i was kind of expecting it to come up again mm. or uh, like expecting it to matter at some point yeah and it never did i thought that was very strange like they just kind of wanted to brush off the origin story as much as possible get it done yeah and get it done so that he could be you know in yeah. the mix. I was thinking about the visuals when you were talking about that, actually. Miles's world is kind of like neon under black light. Mm. Like it's a blue, dark blue, black kind of quality to the light. Yeah. And that's why when you see Gwen, um, Spider Gwen, she's so bright and pastel in comparison. Mm. Yeah. Um, that I did really enjoy the scenes where Miles is trying to hit on Gwen. Those were really, really fun. <laughs> There's a real creativity to those that, yeah. like, that is that the Lord and Miller really good comedy stuff mm. where it's, you know, there's that, they really get that awkwardness of youth mm-hmm. and the way that Miles keeps talking about everything as being a puberty thing. And Gwen at one point goes, I don't think you know what puberty is, <laughs> but then she's trying to hide her secrets as well. And then Miles yeah. doesn't notice because he, that's really cute yes, and really fun. Um, I, I, I like Miles overall. And I, I don't, I have to admit, I don't know him that well from the comics. I just know mm-hmm. who he is. So, for me, he's a blank slate sort of character, but I like that he's different from Peter. Yeah. I like that, for example, he's scared of heights, which is something I noticed um, 
in our other room, my husband is playing the Spider-Man PS4 game. Yeah. And the Miles Morales in that is the same. Like there's when he first learns to use his powers, he's really scared of heights, which is something you don't get with Peter Parker. Yeah. Like, you know, he's just swinging around. Miles, though, it's it's harder for him. And when he jump, runs up the building and then they, like stops <laughs> at the top of it for a few minutes, like for yeah. 10 seconds and then just goes back down the stairs yeah. again was a very good little visual <laughs> gag. Extremely relatable. And like, I like all those things about him that show how different he, like that he's got a lot in common with Peter. Like they're working class and they're trying to make it in the city and there's he's nerdy and all that, but he's different from Peter and you can see that. Mm. So I found him quite charming. Yeah, I, I enjoyed that as well. Like, and, and especially it's more markedly, di- he's more markedly different in this because Peter is older and, mm. and different to the Peter that we, I think, like, Peter B. Parker is our Peter Parker, right? I thought Chris Pine was our Peter Parker. and No, because he's blonde. He can't be our Peter Parker. Oh, right, yeah. And he's the one from Miles' world, which is in yeah, our yeah. world. Yeah, yeah, so Peter B. must be ours. Yeah. Which, you know, makes sense. He's about the same age as Tobey Maguire, I guess. But that also yeah. implies that the stuff that happened in some of the movies happened in Miles' world, right? Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, it's possible that, similar things have happened but yeah peter b i think is our our spider-man but like i don't know because, 10 years from now or whatever right but then the opening where they have the reference to like the finger guns peter parker from mm. spider-man 3 and stuff is blonde peter parker talking right yeah so i mean maybe there's just like some things that both of them did or I, they, that they probably didn't want to explain that too deeply i suspect but they, and they probably wanted to include it somewhere and they couldn't fit it anywhere with the other guys so they just had to do it with chris pine yeah because the blonde finger like the blonde peter parker definitely didn't do the finger guns in our world that was brunette toby Maguire, peter parker and the most mm. obvious i mean most um it's not the right word what's the word i want his face when he does that is just so awkward and so it's a word that starts with o that i can't remember right now but like Mm. it's it just is so off-putting to me (laughs) anyway but yeah it seems to me that like peter b parker who's gone through the divorce and all that stuff is our peter parker yeah yeah. or at least the toby Maguire peter parker Mm. yeah (laughs) all grown up almost makes more sense for him to be toby Maguire. yeah it does because the storyline that he had with mary jane in those movies certainly seems to match up yeah actually that's another person who i thought um, who I usually like and thought was not very good in this was um, Zendaya does the voice of Mary Jane. I think Zoe Kravitz does it. Zoe Kravitz, sorry. Yeah. yeah. It's the Zed. I knew who yeah. it was in my head and then. Yeah, no, she, um, it, it was very, like, there wasn't anything special about it. No, because it was, again, mm. she, it was like, it was clear she's not a voiceover actress. Yeah. Like, as soon as she popped up, I was like, oh, that's definitely somebody who doesn't normally do voiceover because she had that very kind of, it's not very, the voices aren't very animated, I mm. guess. Mm. And her voice doesn't seem to match who Mary Jane is either. Mm. That was a strange bit of casting to me because I was like, this doesn't seem like Mary Jane to me. Yeah. I did think Mahershala Ali was good. Oh, I forgot he to talk was about great. him. As um, Aaron Davis slash yeah. Prowler. Oh, man. Yeah. He was so good. I didn't know who, but when I was watching it and I, I was like, oh, my God. He, yeah, he and Brian so Tyree good. Henry both do yeah. a really good job. Uh, yeah. Brian Tyree Henry has some like – as as Miles's dad has some like awkward stuff to do and he does it really well. The um forcing his kid to say I love you in front of the whole school thing was amazing. Yes. Um he must be the worst dad, but like also the best dad. Yeah, yeah. He's so great. And 
Yeah, he's and the whole scene outside the dorm door as well. Mm, yeah, that yeah. was a good scene too. And both of them really enunciate clearly and really put a lot of character into their um, into their characters. Mm-hmm. Like they put a lot of you can like they're very different people. Um, the dad and the uncle they are very different. Very different. Yeah, they, yeah. Also, I yeah, I figured that Pink Terminator guy was the uncle sooner than I think it. it yeah, you always do though. Yeah, but um, I did a uh, Pink Terminator guy the vroom soundtrack and his whole thing was really cool but it reminded me a lot of um again shrike from mortal engines the other week <laughs> like it's yeah. very like they both have that kind of this a similar soundtrack when they show up and a very similar kind of like also take all through the yeah all the attention in the room <laughs> yeah and and just like shredding through everything that's in their way kind mm. of a thing which is why I called him Hot Pink Terminator in this movie until I figured out, oh, that's that. It was the it was the he's out of town at the same time as that guy showed up thing. Oh, yeah, it was yeah. it was really yes in your face. So I was like, oh yeah, okay. Mm. It was it was good anyway. Like that characterization worked well. It made sense for the character, mm. um, and the the visuals were really cool. Yeah, and also it like this movie fortunately doesn't actually have a villain problem except for the you know he's fighting on a bus that's flying through the air that you're like there's no way he could stand up yeah Um, yeah he is a very scary villain yeah wilson fisk is a good villain and i think i mean there is a little bit of we're carrying our daredevil baggage into that and Mm. he is just such a wonderful villain well because we have that connection with vanessa too Mm. and then to see him like the 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 fact that he's looking for vanessa in these alternate worlds because Mm. um in this one they died yeah it definitely helps to be a daredevil fan when you watch right watching this yeah because yeah to have that attachment to Mm. vanessa already makes you go oh no vanessa even though she's you know she's evil yeah and and in the other one but uh, in this one she doesn't know about it no and and you know that and she's more just complicit in this one. But, um, yeah. No, he- she's not even complicit because she didn't know. She gets freaked out when she sees um, Fisk beating up Spider-Man. So That's, she clearly had no yeah. idea that he was evil in this world. And then she and her son come in, see that happening, and then she takes the son and they yeah, get and hit by the, the truck. accident. Yeah. Right. Okay. So um, in this world, clearly Vanessa is actually a, like, an innocent bystander, I yep. suppose. Uh, yep. But, yeah, knowing that he- that's what he's looking for makes us – like have that connection because we know what their relationship is like yeah yeah and how much he needs her yeah but yeah it, it really humanizes them without being too overt and over the top i mm. think as well yeah and then making aaron the pink terminator guy as well means that you've got that investment and that connection in it mm. um also but the fact that aaron dies from a gunshot while wearing that suit i was like there's no protection from gunshot wounds in that suit like mm. that's not remotely bulletproof that massive Thing. Yeah, well, this is the thing. This is the whole stakes problem is that he can die. Yeah, very easily with yeah, one and, shot. And, um, and Spider-Man from being beaten up. But and, I mean, no, Spider-Man Chris Pine got, demand. Yeah, Chris Pine Spider-Man gets, be, gets like stomped into oblivion yeah, by Fisk. Fisk style. Um, but, like, which I can see because Peter's like – Getting blown up won't, have you, won't get you killed, <laughs> even if you're just Jeff Davis. Yeah, getting blown up won't get you killed, but if somebody stomps directly on your head, I think that would probably do it, mm. which is what it looked like happened with Fisk. Mm. And and also that ties into the Wilson Fisk from uh, well, Daredevil as I, well I, when again, he slams the head. Yeah, I, I just assumed that was the same kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, getting blown up does nothing. <laughs> Don't be ridiculous. Yeah. A giant explosion, you'll just get blown out of the way. <laughs> it's so silly. Yeah. It's really silly. Oh, I made a joke. I made a pun. Oh. When Stanley showed up, I wrote Stanimation. Oh, okay. It wasn't a very good pun. Oh. I, I was right. Oh, look, it's 
Stanimated Stanley. Yeah, and now it's going to be like every time we see him, oh, is this the last one? It, I assume the last one will be um, Endgame. I, I believe that he actually might have shot some for um, even Cap, uh, um, Far for from even, home. Um, yeah, Far From Home. And he will have shot one for Captain Marvel. Cause, yes. Yeah, cause, sorry, cause, I was mixing them up. Sorry, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I believe he might have even shot stuff. But, yeah, it is very poignant now to see Stan Lee cameos. It is, yeah. And the the little message to him at the end was cute too. Yeah. Um, And he had a nice moment in this. Although right at the end of his moment there's a thing where it's, like, implied that he's doing it for the money, which – is accurate to the person of Stan Lee. Yeah, I was like, oh, that's a little burn there. Mm. Like, that's that's a little tongue-in-cheek there. But, yeah, but not untrue. Yeah, I know, but like, it was interesting. Beloved like, figure, though he was, he was a beloved figure because he always took the money and went to the conventions. Yeah. That's how he got that way. Well, also, yeah, anyway. Yeah, and the way he, yeah, um, his deal at, at Marvel and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, but, like, some of that stuff was also him being manipulated when he got up. Anyway. Mm. Um, Oh, I also made a note um, that says do up your fucking shoelaces because I was getting so sick of Miles tripping over his goddamn shoelaces and then being like, oh, yeah, it's a choice. And I'm like, it's a bad choice, clearly. <laughs> yeah. You, it's clearly a bad choice. You you and Jeff Jefferson would be like on him for that. I can definitely imagine. Yes. I definitely had some moments where I connected, especially his teacher, Miles's teacher, who like you could only get all of them completely wrong if you actually knew what the answers were. And I was like, I feel her. Yeah. <laughs> like that frustration with him just trying to, you know, trick her and all that sort of mm, stuff. Yeah. Although then she sets him this assignment and he's going to do it. And I was like, why would you do it? <laughs> if you're trying to get kicked out, uh, yeah. I feel like he just wouldn't do that assignment. Like if, if you were actually trying to get him to write about who he wanted to be, you would like go, you have detention for, you know, doing this on the class, sit in the tent- detention and do it because then he wouldn't have anything else to do and then he'd have to do the es- essay. Mm. <laughs> anyway. Well, I think he going out with his uncle sort of changes his mind a bit, makes him no, see. No, because he's going to write it. Like he's he's aiming to write it before he goes out. Mm. And then he's like, I can't do this and then goes out with his I, uncle. So I, he's – I don't know. Planning don't know. on doing this essay for not doing his work properly. Yeah. I don't, which is strange I, I don't to me. know. I'm – I'm a former boarding school student. I'm stupidly obedient to things like that. So well, that's the I thing. was like, the- oh, yes, of course you do your homework. It's homework. So I feel miles on that front. But then also he's trying to – he's actually just deliberately done a test wrong. Yeah, exactly. That's why – like the to me the mm. beginning of the movie seems to want to differentiate between the life that he had that he wants, like mm. to go back to what's comfortable, and this posh school yeah. that he doesn't want to be at in ways that – make it kind of unclear as to who Miles is as a person. Mm. And maybe he's going through a kind of a confusion over that. But, like, he's so cool when he's on the streets at his home. Mm. And then when he shows up to the school, he's, like, nerdy and wants to do the homework and stuff. And Mm. we know he got a scholarship to this school. So it's like, who is this Miles? Like, he clearly – like, also he doesn't want to – he – procrastinates even going to school and having breakfast just to sit in his room and listen to music and draw. Yeah. So it's like, I don't understand who this is. Mm. Like, I don't understand what you're going for with this character. I think he settles into it more later, mm. but there's a an awkward disconnect between nerdy and cool Yeah. that, like, you, you, it's really hard to see. And I feel like they did that more to show the difference, like, yeah, that that he was torn and, like, how he feels. Maybe it's more representational, like, he feels really cool at his home yeah. and feels really uncomfortable at this new school and uh-huh. then they showed that. 
Yeah. But I, it's hard to mm. tell. There's also a moment when he gets scared in the car and there's these two kids outside and he's like, oh, I know those guys. God, dad, you got to drive faster. That I didn't realize until the end of the scene and the dad just sits there in the car and waits for the lights to change. Mm. Um, and I didn't realize till the end of that scene that he was just embarrassed. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, these guys are going to beat him up or something. Because, like, because this is because that- you've never worried about being uncool. Yeah, no, it's not that. <laughs> like, I get that in movies often. I think yeah. it's more because of that kind of concept that, like, that they're trying to show us that Miles is like yeah. half nerdy and half cool. Yeah. So, like, I get nervous for nerdy boys in movies because they always get beaten up. Oh, right, right. Like, so if he's a nerdy kid in his dad's car, I'm like, oh, they're going to beat him up. Not, oh, they're going to think he's uncool. Very briefly, at the very beginning of the scene, I did think that because, like, get yeah, two guys in a car kind of looking at him. But then yeah. mostly I, I realized what was going on. Mm. It was because he was in his uniform and he didn't want to be seen looking like that. Right. Like, that was – it was – I got it. Like, once they started moving on, I was like, oh, okay. Like, and they didn't come in and beat him up. I was like, mm. oh, okay. But, like, be, especially the way they framed the kids – Mm-hmm. seemed like maybe they were like you know movie punk mean kids yeah, yeah. who would beat him up true true and they're um, definitely older than him they're driving themselves yeah yeah right um, yeah the i liked the music a lot oh yes oh my god yes i can't believe we haven't talked about it this, thus far yeah the song i did a little bit with um talking about pink hot pink terminators thing but yeah, like everybody but- has their own theme when I, they show I like up. the so- the soundtrack the yeah. songs are amazing i don't even i can't actually name all the songs but like the the rap songs like mm. there's a lot of r&b that it's it sounds like the kind of music miles would be listening to mm-hmm. it's perfect yeah and i'm um just to go on the score side of that the score is really good mm. um it's a really cool fun score it matches the the style like the new style really mm. well um but also like each character has their own like gwen has like a vaguely wonder woman reminiscent theme mm. a hot pink terminator guy has his own like every character spider noir has his own like <laughs> you know noir type. he just operates in its own yeah. universe frankly but yeah that's yeah, what yeah. i mean like yeah. everybody has it's so cool and you can like hear them like they want weave the score the themes together depending mm. on who's interacting and stuff yeah. it's really neat Sp- spider ham has like an old warner brothers cartoon yeah, sort of a thing going on. I feel like if they'd really let John Mulaney loose on Spider-Man, Spider-Ham, he could be really, really funny. But I think they wanted to keep it. I mean, um, I thought he was safe. pretty funny as it was. Although I did, didn't actually know it was John Mulaney till the end. I was like, oh, it's Pat Oswalt or someone. Yeah. Which is, I guess, speaks highly of his voice skills. Yes. I thought he did a really good job. But also, like, I was like, mm. oh, wow, they could go really crazy with this character. Uh, yeah. Aunt May was great. Oh, yeah. Um, very like just her interactions with everybody was so fun and i love that she's like spider mum yeah well not even that but like spider like um spider fairy godmother almost spider alfred yeah yeah because she's like getting everybody together and getting them all organized and all and that she's got stuff. the and, like the underground lair and and um doesn't want them to fight in her house very fun she was oh yeah s- very cool that was very as a like homeowner and old person the fighting in the house where they're wrecking the house was very relatable yeah and yeah the um like it's a different version of may again to what mm. we're used to yeah, yeah but you still feel that kind of aunt mayness going through all the different characters which mm. i thought was really nice yeah I liked the um, the Spider Noir line. That's a pretty hardcore origin story. When yes. <laughs> when Miles is talking about his uncle, yeah, it's very funny. <laughs> when Aaron is chasing Miles through the cars again, there's like he flips through the middle of a car crash, mm. and I think by that stage I'd already figured out that Aaron was the 
um, Terminator guy and I was like, you guys are just killing people. Like, mm. people would die in this car crash. This is pretty awful. Yeah. Let's see. The collective ceiling spider joke made me laugh a lot. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was really, really yeah, neat. Yeah. I think that's pretty much all. Like, I, I could just quote spider noir lines all day and be happy. Yeah. They was, was so good. A, it was like the best thing Nicolas Cage has done in well, – I mean, he's done a lot of pretty amazing I've stuff. I've heard Mandy's great. He, and yeah. mum and dad we liked. Was, so. we, we did like. It was quite fun. But he was just perfect in this part and exactly the right level of commitment to it mm. as well. Yes. Yeah, he always does. He loves comic books. Yeah, so, you know. I know. But he, he seemed to really be enjoying this. And then um, – the little Oscar Isaac cameo at the end oh, as yes, well. Oh, yes, as um, Miguel O'Hara slash Spider-Man 2099. Yes, and I actually thought he did a really good job with the voiceover. Mm. Like he still has a kind of a, a laziness, but it seems like more of a practiced laziness than like a, a I haven't done voiceover stuff before and he enunciates really well. Mm. So it seems more like he's kind of in character as like somebody who's a little bit older or more jaded or something yeah. rather than like it's a – yeah, you know, and he's dropped into a the old Spider-Man cartoon from the sixties, yes. which is just delightful. And, and does the pointing Spider-Man meme, pointing me? Yeah, that and that's it. This is the first movie with Oscar Isaac and Chris Pine in them, but we didn't get to see them, so that made me sad. <laughs> it's got nothing to do with this movie, but it has it's two of your favorites. It has two of my favorites, and they don't interact, and we don't get to see them. And, but the, I, still. and they probably weren't even on the red carpet together. No sadness. No. Sadness. Sadness. One day, one day, I will get a movie with Oscar Isaac and Chris Pine potentially making out in it, but not this day. Okay, so we should do yeah ratings. What are you giving it? Um, I'm gonna say three and a half stars. Like, I did enjoy it. I know a lot of people loved it a lot more than me, and I'm not trying to knock the movie. Mm. I think there's a lot of creativity on. I like the characters. Mm. On display, sorry. Um, I really like the characters. I think the story was really fun. It took me a while to get into it, and it was really tough for me to watch. So, like, it's not any kind of – I'm not trying to diss the movie by giving it that score, mm. which is still a good score, but, like, it would definitely be higher for me if I found it easier to watch. Yeah. So when I walked out of the movie, I was just, like, delighted. I was This is amazing. I was mm. obsessed with it for about a week. So at that point, I probably would have given it four and a half, but I'm actually going to drop it back to four because – I did kind of forget about it mm. in the interim I, it, and it sort of in comparison with some of the other stuff we've seen like um, last week's film, Can You Ever Forgive Me, which I also gave four stars to, which is just an excellent film and made it into my top five for the year. So I think I'm going with four stars on this one. But I did I, – the experience of watching this was just one where I was completely blown away in the cinema and I, I always react well to that. Yeah. I really appreciate how innovative it is and everything. Mm. It's just not for me. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Totally. And it's, it's not for everyone and that is one of the things that's become obvious in hindsight mm. to it as well. So, yeah, so four stars from me. Thank you for listening to the Silver Screen Queens podcast. If you would like to find show notes or old episodes, they're on our website, silverscreenqueens.com. And if you want to find us on social media, we're at screen underscore queens on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash silverscreenqueens. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.